Welcome to the Glasgow Baptist Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Erdie Carter. We want to help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. I'm taking my headset. This is just a backup. All right, so take your Bible and go with me to Exodus. All right, there you go. Take your Bible and go with me to Exodus chapter 7. Exodus 7. Uh, we've been here for several weeks in the book of Exodus, uh, wrestling with the idea that, that God calls us out to draw us back in. He, he calls us out of our sin so that we can be drawn back into him. As, we look at, as we've looked over the last several weeks, we've recognized how God has heard the cry of, of the Israelites and he has responded by sending Moses. And over the few weeks, we've looked at Moses and, and have decided that, that, you remember, Moses wasn't the man. He didn't want to do it. Moses had more reasons why not to go uh, than he had to go. But God finally, God finally sent him and Moses finally went. Well, this morning, we're going to pick up in Exodus 7, and as you'll notice uh, in your outline there, the, the text is from 7 to 10. So we're going to cover uh, uh, quite a bit of uh, territory this morning. But as we do that, let me tell you about a guy. How many have been or lived in a state or traveled through a state with HOV lanes? You know what HOV lanes are? They're, they're those lanes that, hey, listen, you got to have more than one person in the car with you. It's, they're designed for, for you know, encouraging park, carpools. So if you live in a major city like St. Louis or in Nashville, you can drive in that lane and it's a little faster. If you've ever been in a state, you know, I've been to California a few times and, and I'm typically by myself and, and I'm there going, I wish I had somebody else in the car because that lane always goes faster uh, than everybody else. Well, just this year, in January 2020, there was a guy in, a 62-year-old guy in Phoenix, Arizona, and he was driving in the HOV lane. But he was driving in the lane trying to, to help people think he had more than one, one person in the car. In fact, here's the picture the police officer took that day. I don't know if you can see that, but that's a skeleton that he's put a, that he's put a uh, camouflage hat on and he's put some stuff on him to make look like a person. And the police officer caught that and pulled him over there on, uh, on uh, 101 near Tempe. And so he, uh, the guy gets a, gets a $400 fine for trying to, to, to get somewhere faster than he should have. You know, it's funny. People who do that, they, 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 they're hoping to get away with something, right? I mean, how many of you would be honest and say, I've done something that I hoped I'd get away with? All right. Now, keep your hands up. How many of you got away with it? Oh, more, more of you than that. Let's, let's just be honest. How many broke the speed limit coming to church today? Uh-huh, so you got away with it, didn't you? So 
There you go. So we, we have this tendency that we want to do things that we, that we, to get away with it. And then for whatever reason, we have this, this, uh, this idea that if I can just do this, I can, I can get away with it. Now, here's the thing. If you've ever been pulled over and given a speeding ticket or a driving performance report, uh, Melinda, uh, you understand that uh, you're guilty. I mean, I, I, I've had a time or two that I've had a police officer in my rear view window, and he gave me one of those. And I never can argue with them because I typically knew I was speeding. So why is it sometimes we, we don't get that our actions have consequences? Why do we get upset when, when, we're, when we're caught and those actions have consequences? We live in a world where we, we don't think consequences should happen anymore. We should be able to do what we want to do without the consequences. But the truth of the matter is there is consequences in life. I mean, I, I, don't, know if, I don't know where you work or what your job was if you're retired, but there's consequences if you didn't show up to work, right? There are consequences when we, when we get caught breaking the law. There's consequences all through life. Guess what? There's consequences with God. And today, as we're going to look, I want us to see this one point today. A person's relationship with God is affected by the choices in his or her life. A person's relationship with God is affected by the choices in his or her life. Now, before you chase down a rabbit trail, I'm not talking about losing your salvation. No, you know, the Bible tells us if we've come to know Jesus Christ... We're secure in that. In fact, Romans 10.9 tells us this. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, there's a lot about that verse that we could unpack this morning and, and talking about, about understanding salvation and those types of things. But let's just leave it as if you've believed in your heart and trusted Christ, we're not talking about losing your salvation. But what we will see today is in our relationship with God, our consequences. I mean, just like it is when you grew up at your house. I, I don't know how, how raising your children was. I don't know how you grew up. I, I grew up that I made sure my mother has earned every gray hair she has. And I won't say that when she's in the room, but when she's in the room, I always say it was my sister and my brother gave her those gray hair. I, I tested mom and dad more than I really should, more than my son will, right, Drew? But here's the thing I knew about my parents, because they told me, and I've said it to Drew, there's nothing I could do there was nothing I could do that they wouldn't love me, right? But that didn't mean that there wasn't some difficult days in the relationship. What we're going to see this morning, as we look at Pharaoh, we're going to see how Pharaoh's actions really 
or how we act at times. We're going to see the consequences of his actions, and we're going to talk about the consequences of our actions. So we're at that point in the service where I typically ask you to stand as we honor the reading of God's word. That's a little long, and I'm not going to read those three chapters. So here's what I'm going to challenge you and encourage you to do today. I'm going to encourage you to read those, those chapters. We're going, to, we're going to read several verses in them, but, but I want you to go home today, and I want you to read from chapter 7 all the way through 10. And what we're going to do today is we're just going to look at nine of the plagues that, that God gives. Nine of the plagues. And here, here they are. I wrote them down so you uh, can see them real quick. Uh, we have the blood, the blood of the Nile. Remember, take the water, pour it out, and turn it to blood. We have the frogs, the gnats, the flies. Hey, I'd have given in on the gnats. I don't know about you, but I'd have said, yes, go, do whatever. Uh, gnats, flies, livestock, boils, hail, locusts, darkness. And then we, we'll deal with the firstborn next week. Those are the plagues. And God sends them to, to Pharaoh and the people of Egypt. And so this morning, let me, let me share a couple things with you that we see about God, that we learn from the plagues about God. And then I want to, what we learn about ourselves in regards to the plagues. All right? So there's, there's four things I want you to catch this morning. The first thing is this. There is only one God. There is only one God. God. If you'll look at chapter 7, verse 17, you'll see this. It says, this is what the Lord says. Here is how you will know that I am the Lord. Watch. And I'm about to strike the water in the Nile with a staff in my hand, and it will turn to blood. Here's the thing. Over and over in these three chapters, you will hear you will see the Lord. They will recognize who God is. There is but one God. Pharaoh is not acknowledging that one God, and so God is going to help Pharaoh understand there is only one true God. and He's going to do it through these plagues. He's going to do it uh, through all, my, all sorts of things. And there are going to be moments when magicians are going to do their thing and kind of sh- somehow do the same trick. And then there are going to be moments where the, mag- the magicians are going to go, uh, we have no idea, we can't do this. Look at Exodus 8.10. You'll see the same thought process there. He said, tomorrow, this is, this is the frogs. They brought the frogs, and when do you want them to leave? Pharaoh was begging, get rid of these things. He says, uh, Moses, he answered Moses, as you have said, that you may know that there is no one like who? The Lord our God. Verse 11, the frogs will go away from you, from your houses, your officials, and your people. The frogs will remain only in the Nile. Here's the thing. You, they wanted to point out the power of God. So Pharaoh, you pick the time. You tell us when the frogs are going to disappear. And the God who is all-powerful, all-knowing, is going to take the frogs and they'll go back to the Nile. But it will be when you say, and we're going to tell you, so there's no question, there's but one God. Do you understand there's but one God? I forgot. That's your part of the sermon. 
Do you know there is just one God? Can you testify to that one God? If you were asked today, walking out of this place, if somebody grabbed you and said, can you tell me why there's only one God? Could you give testimony as to why there's one God? Could you testify that the God who loved you, created you, formed you, rescued you, can you testify to that? Can you give evidence to that? Friends, you... If they were to ask you today, do you believe there's one God? And you just said, yeah, well, the Bible says so. And that's all you said. Friends, that's not enough. And then don't hear me. Don't misunderstand me. If you said, no, no, no. I know there's one God because 1 Corinthians 8 says this. It says, yet for us there is one God, the Father and all things are from him, and we exist for him, and there is one Lord, and Jesus Christ, and all things through him, and we exist through him. Now, catch, there's two things about that verse I want you to catch. We exist for him. We exist through him. When you can testify why you exist for him and through him, you understand there is one God. Do you not get that? When you can testify that I exist because there is a God who loved me, who rescued me when I was a sinner, who brought me out of sin and shame, who put my feet on the solid rock. When you can testify to that, when you can testify that, hey, I understand my purpose, I understand why I'm here, I understand why God has put me in the place that he's put me, I am living for his glory. When you can testify to that, you understand there's one God. Pharaoh was at this point in his life, he, he can't testify to that. He has no clue. He has no clue there is one God. And God is continuing to do these plagues. But in verse 18 of, of Exodus 8, we find this. Here's what happens. The magicians, those people that, that every time God would do something, he would call his magicians and you do something. And they could do that for a few minutes. And he would say, in, in my, in Erdy's vocabulary here, he'd say, see, I don't, that doesn't mean there's a God. But then things kept going. And the magicians kept going, um, we can't do anything. We don't have it. Look what they said. The magicians tried to produce gnats using their occult practices, but they could not. The gnats remained on the people and the animals. This is the finger of God, the magician said to Pharaoh. But Pharaoh's heart was hard, and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. Magicians came to a point and said, we can't do it. Listen, I'm telling you, if you've ever, this week, it's funny how this worked. This week, I got a text from a friend of mine who served with me in 1996 on a centrifuge team, Lifeway Camps team, and he said, where was it we were at in Virginia, Lynchburg, Virginia, right outside Lynchburg, Virginia at this campground? And I, I sent him a text back, Eagle Irie Campground. I hated that place. I was there for three weeks. Hated it. Beautiful country, beautiful people. Hated it. The gnats were so bad. I mean, you, it was like I wanted a mask. It, you know, you, I put on more stuff that week to get rid of gnats, and it didn't work. So then I smelled terrible. 
and still had gnats. The magicians come to this point and go, we can't do it. This is the finger of God. Can you testify to the finger of God in your life? How God touched you? Greg, there ought to be a song that somebody ought to write, he touched me. Oh, okay. I just want to make sure that thought came to my mind. If they hadn't, I I was going to give you an idea to write a song, he touched me. We ought to understand there's only one God. Second thing I want you to catch is God's power. God is powerful. God is powerful. We look through this text and we see all sorts of power of God. We, we see the plagues coming. We see how God is working and orchestrating all things. Uh, verse 14 tells us this of chapter 9. It says, for this time, I'm about to send all my plagues against you, your officials and your people. Then you will know that there is no one like me on the whole earth. But now, I could have stretched out my hand. And I could have struck you and your people with all the plagues and you would have, you would have been obliterated from the earth. However, I have let you live for this purpose, to show you my power and to make my name known on the whole earth. So here's the thing. I don't know about you, but there are times I want to ask God why. God knew how Pharaoh was going to respond, right? This means yes, this means no. We've already looked at that. It's already been told. He told Moses that, that Pharaoh's not going to be, not going to let him go. Now, he didn't tell him everything, but he, he told him Pharaoh's not going to be. Why? I mean, why did God do that? Because God could have snapped his fingers and wiped them all out. God could, have, God could have done a number of things and watched Pharaoh fall to his knees and the people come out. It's real simple. You wanted to see the power of God. Throughout the text, the Israelites are living in Goshen. And then you read in chapter 8 where as the plagues happen, it doesn't happen to them. They don't have the same effects that the people of Israel. Why? It's the power of God. I can make it rain here and not there. I can do this here and not over here. All throughout the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, we recognize that God has one desire for his people, and that's obedience. He loves obedience. He calls us to obedience. In the garden, he gives Adam and Eve how many commands? Gives them really one, right? Just don't eat of the tree, right? You can do all this other, just not that one. And what do, what do Adam and Eve do? They go to that one. And Adam says, it's her fault, that woman you gave me. But really, he was disobedient as well. God desires obedience, He desires to see his people be obedient. There's no obedience when God just does it all. So he gives us an opportunity. He gives us the freedom to live 
And in that freedom, we have the chance to, to either obey or disobey. We see the effects of obedience and disobedience throughout the scripture. We see God's hand throughout. We see the way God works when we're obedient, and then we see how God's hand works when we're disobedient. We see how he, how he, he brings judgment upon people. We see not only that there is one God in this text, we see that God is powerful. But in his power, he, he desires us to walk humbly before him in obedience. So what do we so we learn from the plagues about God of his power and that he's only there is only one God. What do we learn about people from the plagues? Well, first thing I want you to see is choices form our character. Choices form our character. All through this text we find where Pharaoh has an opportunity. Has an opportunity because every time before a plague happens, Moses comes to him and tells him what's going to happen. He, he gives Pharaoh an opportunity and at any point Pharaoh could say, yes, okay. But Pharaoh chooses not to do that. And those choices form his character. And his character begins to develop into such a person that he's refusing to listen. He's refusing to do anything else. He is digging in his heels to say, you are not going. You ever made a decision? As you made that decision, you got yourself in such a a pickle with that decision that if you either stick to your guns or you have to acknowledge you've made a mistake. Sometimes we stick to our guns because we're fearful of having to admit we've made a mistake, right? That we've messed up. We live in a land of choices. Several years ago, the New York Times did released an article on choices in America. David Brooks wrote the article and and what they did was they took 100 college students who were American and 100 college students who were Japanese. And they gave them this uh, piece of paper. said, on one side, here's what we want you to do. We want you to list all the choices you want to make in your life. On the other side, we want you to list all the choices you want somebody else to make for you. So one side of the piece of paper, you, you're making all these choices. The other side, somebody else is making those choices. As those hundred students on both, on both groups began to write down, the American students began to write all sorts of things down. Where to live, what kind of job to have, what kind of money to make, who to marry, all, all sorts of things. They filled that front page up. The Japanese students barely put much on that page. Flip it over, the American students barely put anything down. They really didn't want people to make many decisions for them. However, Japanese students put a ton of things. They put things like, I want somebody to tell me what time to get out of bed, what to wear to work, who to marry, where to live. It was an interesting list of things that they put down on that piece of paper of what they wanted somebody else to tell them. 
Brooks writes the article, finishes the article. It's a New York Times article, something about 2016. He said, it's interesting how America is in the choices that we have for ourselves. We are a land of choices. We want to make all our own choices. And you know, that's, he went on to say, there's some good in making those choices. But with so many choices, there comes a lot of poor decisions. What choices do you make? Well, think about it. I'm not going to spend much time here on this one because I want to encourage you, if you've not tuned into our Wednesday night, we're in a series we started last week called Choices. Hence why I'm not going to spend much time here. But the decisions we make today affect our tomorrow. That's the subtitle of that message or that series. And so I, I want to encourage you to be a part of that at 6 o'clock on Wednesday nights. But, but here's the thing. Look at the choices Pharaoh's making. Every time he's making those choices, it is affecting and forming his character who he is. He's moving further from recognizing there is a God. What are the choices you're making? Are they moving you closer or further from God? Are you making choices that you know is wrong in God's sight? And so because you know they're wrong, you're arguing that, well, it's 2021. It's a different day and age. Okay, I can agree with that. I can agree, I can agree that times are different. 1923, Model T's were our car of choice, if you were lucky to have one. Today, you got many options. In fact, 1923, when the Model T came out, Henry Ford said, you can have it in any color you want, as long as it's black. Today, you can pick a color you want. We have choices. It's a different age. But here's what the Bible tells us. The God that we love, the God that we serve is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His word is true yesterday. That same word that we need to obey yesterday is the same word we obey today. It's the same word we obey tomorrow. His word doesn't change. So for you to say, I, I know that they used to say this is wrong. The Bible says this is wrong. It's a new day. Let me just tell you, you're living in sin and you're walking. Your character is moving further from God not closer. Pharaoh keeps moving from God because of the choices that he's making. He keeps moving away from God because he keeps saying no. Fourth thing I want you to catch from this text today is choices lead to consequences. Choices lead to consequences. As a kid, I understood this principle well. I used to tease my father and my father, for those of you who know, my father and mother used to be members of the church I pastored before I came here. And so I have said from the pulpit in front of my father, my favorite, my fondest memory of my father is bouncing off the wall, getting his belt out to tell me about the choices that I made that day. We got a whipping every day, whether we needed it or not, because dad figured at some point in the day, we deserved it. I understand consequences. I understand what happens with consequences. But here's the thing. 
if I understand consequences on this, in, in my life, on the physical side, on this side of eternity, don't you think we ought to understand them spiritually? Don't you think there are consequences for us spiritually? We cannot just live in this bubble that says, oh, God is love and God will never punish us. Hello? Are you not looking at what, where we're living in at this moment? There are consequences. Exodus 9, 7 tells us this. Here are the consequences. Pharaoh sent, sent messengers who saw the who saw not a single one of the Israelites' livestock was dead. But Pharaoh's heart was hard, and he did not let the people go. And that's one of the, the plagues that affect, uh, affected Egypt and not Goshen. That all their livestock was, was killed and not none of, the, none of the Israelites. And yet his heart continued to be hard. So here's what God, Exodus 10.1 says. Then the Lord said to Moses, go to Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the hearts of his officials so that I may do these miraculous signs of mine among them. Now, we don't like this verse because if we stop and think about this verse, it's not a verse we want to hang on the wall. It's not a bumper sticker verse because it says God hardened Pharaoh's heart. What does that tell you? Simply this. You can keep running from God and hardening your heart, and at some point God's going to say, enough. Now that, that doesn't, that's not a warm and fuzzy kind of feeling. But God knows your heart and knows that, knows that where you are, and if you keep going down that path, he'll say, enough's enough. You go, well, pastor, I, I, don't, I don't quite believe that. Okay. Well, let's look at what the Bible has to say about it. Why do you think the flood happened? Do it, say it again. Get rid of the people. And, and why did he get rid of the people? Because their heart was hardened from God. Sodom and Gomorrah. There's the whole argument there. Hey, Abraham going, but if there's, only, if there's only 50 people, sure, if you can find 50 people. And he got to where just Lot and his family and his wife didn't even make it. Sodom and Gomorrah. We, we can jump to the New Testament because you could argue, well, preacher, I'm a New Testament kind of Christian, not an Old Testament kind of Christian. I take issue with that, but that's fine. We can do that. Ananias and Sapphira. Come to the come to the altar, bring an altar, an offering, and lie about it and, and deceive. Judgment happens. Friends, here, here's the truth of the matter. There are consequences for our actions. We need to understand that while God is a loving God. There is consequences. And God will do everything in his power. He will love you through all sorts of unlovable events. But if you never recognize who he is, if you never recognize how holy he is, you need to understand there are consequences. 
meaning the people of Israel. Last week we looked in, in, in chapter 5, verse 15, the, the, the children of Israel got upset with Moses because now Pharaoh's making them work harder. And what do they do? They turn back and go back to Pharaoh and go, what's going on here? We hear another, not, not another word from them until they're in Egypt. And when they're in Egypt, they're looking at Moses and saying, or, or on the way out, they're looking at Moses going, why'd you bring us out here? Is there not enough graves in Egypt to bury us? Why are we here? They continued to act that way. And yet can, God continued to love them and love them and try to love them until finally there's consequences. In any love relationship, there's consequences. If you, if you truly love somebody, there will be consequences. And there'll be understanding. There'll be understanding in, in the need of obedience. We learn from this text, we learn that God is powerful. We learn that there's only one God, but we also need to recognize in our own life that we can make poor choices. And those poor choices form our character, form our thinking, form the way we are. And sometimes those things take us down a path that we don't need to be going down. And we need to understand that there are consequences. There are consequences on this side of eternity. There's consequences and the way our love relationship works with God. So this morning, the question for you and for me is, what are the choices we're making and how are those choices affecting our relationship with God? Can we honestly say he touched me? And can we give testimony to the way he continues to to work and change our lives or is our testimony something like we've come to know Christ but we've not had much of a relationship I believe that he exists but my relationship with him is not very good friends can I can I invite you this morning to change to realize if you'll turn in obedience your life will be changed forever. Your life will, will be changed in a way that if you can live your life walking in obedience to what God's word says, it will drastically affect your life. This morning, here's what I want to do. Is you know our invitation has to be different. So here's what, what I want to encourage you to do. This morning, if you're here and you want to place your trust in Christ, I want you to call or text that number, 270-681-2363. If you've never confessed Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, let me tell you, your consequences are leading you to hell. Your choices are leading you to a life separated from God. But maybe you're here this morning and you've trusted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, but, but walking with him in obedience is not something you've quite done. You've recognized him as Savior, but as Lord of your life, it's a little different story because you're making the choices, not asking God what choices he wants you to make. Maybe you're here this morning, you need to rededicate your life. 
rededicated in the sense that I, I need God to, to confess I'm, I'm doing the wrong thing. I need to trust you. If that's you today, would you call or text that number, 270-681-2363. Or maybe you're like others who want to join our church family, and this is certainly a different time, but you could do that as well by letting us know by reaching out through that number. God loves us unconditionally. The Bible tells us that he sent his one and only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Do you believe? Do you trust and do you follow? This morning, that's the question for you. Would you respond by reaching out and calling or texting that number? Let's stand together this morning.